This is The Art Life. Hello, I'm Zandra Robinson-Burns, writer and the protagonist of Heroin Training. Today's episode is on juvenilia. And joining me today is my co-host, actress and activist, Grace Gordon. Grace, how is your art life? My art life is full of synchronicities. Mm. Um, I am really excited because a couple of weeks ago, I, uh, well, I left Patreon. I, I, you know, we had this whole episode where I talked about leaving Patreon and I've been sort of checking in with the show and, and, and updating people and what I've been up to since. But I had this, this thought a couple of weeks ago where I was like, I really wish that I could be selling prints or, um, like, postcards even of my work because I get requests all the time to do so and because I'm no longer on Patreon people have been you know checking in with me about wanting to still support my work which is amazing and um and I haven't really had somewhere to send them and through like looking at other photographers work and just kind of doing some research online I suddenly had the idea oh I really want to make postcards I want to have like an affordable way to support my work. And um, I, as you know, since you are, you share this quality with me, I'm a big letter writer. So I just thought like, oh, it would be so fun to have my own like work on postcards. Anyway, it was sort of a fleeting idea. And it was one that I said to myself, okay, table this for later for when you, when you have the mental space to make it happen. But like, yeah, cool. Good idea. A few what is it maybe like two weeks later out of nowhere I get an email uh from Lori Hurst who um she like curates and and helps run some of the gallery shows at Sugar Mint Gallery which I had a bunch of art uh up at this year she emails me and she says that they're doing like a holiday market at Sugar Mint this year and they're looking for um they're looking for people to sell their work but like things that are appropriate for holiday gift giving so not like super expensive original art pieces but maybe prints or ornaments or like things that people can can give as gifts to their family members and it just I I replied and I was like yep I'm in because this is exactly the motivation that I needed. So I um I've been working on creating like some horror themed uh, postcards, like fine art postcards, with my pen and ink drawings. Um, the Sugarman Gallery is mostly a horror and like film themed art gallery. So I've I've begun my work on that, and it ended up getting me like connected to an old. A photographer friend who's buying a bunch of my art pieces um, that I had in the show earlier this year and it's just been so amazing because it's just one of these things where you, where you just follow your passion and you just like if an idea is right it'll happen so my art life is full of synchronicities and I'm just like really excited about this project right now yes it is such a perfect fit I Wish I had the the foresight to introduce you as act actress and activist and postcard artist, because it just 
it just fits. It's just like, yeah, of course, this this makes so much sense. And that's what a synchronicity is. So congratulations. Thank you so much. And you're totally right. It's that feeling of, of course, like that's when you know something's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I'm not surprised by this at all. I'm just like, oh, that, that hasn't happened yet. Oh yeah. Now it's here. <laughs> Zandra, how's your art life? My art life is early. Grace, I don't know if you know what you started when you sent me the sleep chronotypes graphic a couple of weeks ago. Oh no, what did I do? Oh, it's so great. You just sent me this innocent little graphic about the four different animals and their sleep patterns. And I came to this realization that I am a lion, which I already knew that I'm an early bird, but just having a little more of those specific details of what that what that archetype means has been so helpful for me, where a lion doesn't have trouble waking up in the morning, enjoys waking up early. And then is most productive, like at the peak of productivity around midday. And then afterwards, just it's a slow decline into evening and we prefer to go to bed early. But I texted you at first when you sent me the graphic and you were like, I'm definitely a wolf and there's no questions there. <laughs> and <laughs> there is... Also, a bear chronotype, which is kind of what you would assume everyone to be based on how the world is set up, which I guess is good. It's like has, takes a little bit of time to wake up in the morning, um, but then it's basically it suits the nine to five where you might have a an energy lag in the afternoon, but then your energy will come back to enjoy your evening and then you fall asleep pretty easily. And I was like, am I a lion or am I a bear? And I realized I am a lion who lives with a bear and who's in a bear's world. So it's been really helpful for me to to really own what works for me and understand what works for most of the population and how that that doesn't work for me. So I, I'm better able to understand how to make appointments, set boundaries, communicate my tendency, because now I have this framework. I'm I'm so excited that it's been helping you. And I'm wondering uh, how you've been doing more research, because if I remember correctly, I just sent you like a little graphic that I had found. But I don't really know anything further than that graphic that I found online. I just found some articles online um, as well. I think it was from a mattress company that had detailed this, which is Perfect. really clever. I have to hand it to them. But it was really simple. It was just understanding that because um, I've read books about sleep and it, uh, I haven't come across this, this um, concept before, but I would – kind of group myself with the general advice that they're giving of like, oh, you might have a burst of energy in the afternoon. I don't actually get that. 
I so what I've been doing is just letting myself be really productive in the mornings and basically finish work after lunch and that feels really like I'm getting away with something but actually if I prioritize resting when my body needs rest I will be able to use that supercharged morning the next day more effectively so it's really I think that's the hardest part about it is is not commuting it not communicating it to other people but to like let myself do what is natural to me I totally hear that. And one of the gifts of this year has been the the rest of the world shutting down so much that we do have a little more control over our sleep schedules. I've been so much more consistent with my workouts because I can do them in the middle of the night as a night owl. Like that actually works for me. Um, so I that's one of the big blessings of this year. For And even it's helped me get harder boundaries or sort of affirm my boundaries around like when I talk to people or when I'm available to have a meeting because I actually don't want to meet in the morning or I don't want to shoot in the morning if I can avoid it. Um, I know that my best work will be later in the day and that will just help everyone if that's when I make myself available. It's so true and I'm sure we've talked about it before but it just I think we need the reminder that when we communicate to other people what's best for us and they do that in return, it is such a gift because we're able to show up in our best at our best times and and align that with each other as much as possible, like we do with this show recording at different opposite times of the day. Yeah, and 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 show up as our best selves, you know. We're able to show up as our best selves this way. Yeah. Grace, I'm so excited for today's topic. Yes. Tell us about today's topic, because I had never heard this word before hearing it from you. So the word is juvenilia, and it is completely inspired by the virtual Jane Austen conference that I just attended, which was the Jane Austen Society of North America, aka JASNA. Their AGM, which was supposed to be in Cleveland this year, my Jane Austen mentor, Isa, has been going every year for as long as I have known her and for many years since. And I have, it's been like a bucket list thing for me to attend one of these with her. And because I live over here, it's in the UK, it's hard to align the travel and everything like that. So I surprise got to attend this virtual version. And the focus this year was not on one of Jane Austen's six famous novels, but on her juvenilia, which is the writing that she did as a child. And if you're a Jane Austen fan and you haven't read her juvenilia, I highly recommend giving it a try because it's just, it's so um, hysterical. It's really funny and satirical and um, and just exaggerated uh, versions of the the subtleties that we appreciate in her main novels. And it got me thinking about 
as artists, what what is our juvenilia? And thinking about it like that as like a separate category to our published works took the pressure off of my childhood stories to like ever become something. So I really like the distinction and I thought it would be fun to talk about some of our projects that we did as kids. This has been such a fun week for me to think back on the creative projects that I did as a kid. Um, I was a very creative kid for sure. And it helps that my older sister, Lily, is also an artist. And she was like my number one uh, collaborator for a long time Um, and now lives in L.A. and she's a filmmaker here. So like not much has changed. <laughs> um, but yeah, the really interesting thing for me, Zandra, thinking thinking back on childhood projects was was realizing that my life is the things that I'm making are basically what I was making when I was a kid. Um, you know, whether it's making little movies with my sister, we were really into like like we had characters that we played that we would bring back for different movies. And um, and hilariously, one thing we did when I I remember being like six and us doing this, that um, I then ended up like do, repeating with kids I babysat for years, is um, we would create commercials just for fun. We would like create our own commercials. Um, and this is some of the most fun I ever had when I was a kid. And and then again, like the most fun I ever had as a babysitter, um, just we would improvise like ridiculous, over the top, silly commercials for things like lava lamps or like a bag of rice. And um, this experience was something that was like pure silliness and joy. But I just find it so funny because now like... I'm an actor who's like in commercials. <laughs> <laughs> and somewhere in the archives, I'm sure there are like VHS tapes of commercials I created oh with gosh. my sister <laughs> way back when. That's amazing. You're reminding me of, I did not prepare to bring these stories, but since we're nearing the holidays, Every year, my sister and I would have a Christmas show together. We would choreograph our favorite Christmas songs. It was very elaborate. I think there were some skits involved, too. But what I really remember is we would design a playbill for this Christmas show, and it would be like I would go on on paint on the computer and design it like a Broadway playbill and it would have that yellow heading. It was very Of course you would. <laughs> Is there any record of this? Oh, I, my parents are avid scrapbookers, so um, we've definitely got the playbill somewhere and I'm not sure if we allowed live recording of the show. 
there was probably a- I love that phrasing <laughs> of like I'm not sure if we allowed that like this is an intimate privileged event and like <laughs> we don't allow any audio or video recordings it will distract the performers exactly <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm not surprised that you've kept everything at a at a professional level, even as a child, with making your playbills and protecting the boundaries of of your performer. I don't even know if that's true. I'll have to ask my mom. But that's just like what came into my head. It's like I don't think I would have allowed that. <laughs> but it's true. I think in reflecting back on my childhood projects, what really stands out to me was how seriously I took everything. And I I need that distinction now as an adult of like, that was my juvenilia and I do my work now. Because as a kid, I was very professional about it. And all of the books that I wrote had screenplay adaptations because <laughs> I was thinking about, well, when when somebody wants to make this movie, I want to be in control of how the adaptation goes. Wait, so as a child, you were like drafting like the paperwork so that you would have creative control over the movie adaptation? I think it was it came from like being a very hurt Harry Potter fan. Um <laughs> I went into the Sorcerer's Stone movie with a notebook to this. You're my hero. (laughs) I was 10 years old. And this was like the beginning of my theater critic career, I guess, was like I had this list coming out of the theater of here's everything that was inaccurate. (laughs) So I think it came from that where... Aaron and I, who also goes by Rory, we met in a play together, and pretty much as soon as we met, we were doing a, we were writing a book together. We wrote this, and it was a book series with film adaptation ideas, and we were like casting our friends, and the casting influenced the character development in the story as well but um of course yeah yes it was that was just how my mind worked back then was like okay we gotta think big it's interesting too that you know i know that rory aaron she's such a long-term friendship for you and you and i have talked before about how most of our long-term friendships are with people who we have made a project with or who we have like a continued collaboration with. And that's just what works for both of us. It's how I get close to people now as an adult. Um, and it tends to be, you know, how I build more long lasting relationships and listening to this story. It's sort of like, wow, that's, that's been true since we were kids. I'm sure this fits into some sort of personality type, but I really like thinking about it from the perspective of how we were when we were younger, because as adults, as professional artists, it kind of makes sense. But when when I compare that to this is what I gravitated toward naturally as a kid, it feels really playful and 
and fun because like the adult word for it is like networking making projects together but I wasn't I mean I was thinking about movie adaptations of my of of my childhood works but I it was also like play that was my version of like playing house was playing film producer well speaking of plays um plays and playing the thing that I really am, was looking forward to telling you, the story I was so looking forward to telling you, um, was that in the fifth grade, I, I got more and more into theater and musical theater as a, as a kid. As time went on, I was more and more serious about it. And in the fifth grade, uh, our class, our school was picking this show that we would do. And I had just seen Little Shop of Horrors, and I told my teacher, I said, you know, we need to do Little Shop of Horrors. It's hilarious. It's this. It's that. I demand that we do Little Shop of Horrors for our school play. And um, my teacher was like, no, that show is too violent. It's not appropriate for for fifth graders to produce. <laughs> and so she, she just said, you know, I'm sorry. Love your passion. You're mm. not doing that. And then I convinced all of the kids in my class to watch Little Shop of Horrors. And then, as a class, we decided to put the play up ourselves. So, well, while we were doing whatever other play our school had approved, we as a fifth grade class, and I am, I want to tell you just already, I am still very close with several of the people who did this musical with me as a as a group of 10 year olds we uh, we choreographed directed costumed and acted in our own production of little shop of horrors that our school basically just let us use like the theater they were like oh okay i guess you can use the theater if you're doing this yourself <laughs> And we did it. We we did the whole damn show ourselves. And um, my favorite part, though, just because, again, it's so funny to look back on it, is I fought bitterly with the director the whole time. I was the lead actress and we had so much drama about fighting over creative control and different ideas and wardrobe choices and casting. And he and I were like sending each other nasty emails after school. And I'm looking back on this. I'm like, we were 10. We were 10 years old. And it was like, I mean, it was barely different than any like, like high intensity, like movie set experience I've had now as an adult working actor. Like it was pretty much the same feeling and the same stakes. But like, we were 10 and we chose this. Was there like part of okay first of all this is amazing second of all <laughs> was there like some part of the the fighting about it that like made it feel real to you so i think that it was i think it that it was yeah i think that for whatever reason i mean he and i were 
both we were just drama queens and we still are to some degree um (laughs) uh he's still he's still a good friend of mine but um I think that yeah I think maybe the fact that we chose to do the whole thing ourselves and that the adults allowed us to they said you know we're not doing this but you guys can I think that it really empowered us as creatives but yeah I think we did like we took ourselves so seriously and our own ideas so seriously that there was fighting about vision and casting and rehearsal time. And it was because like we were empowered to to take the whole thing seriously. We were given the freedom to do this thing ourselves and we wanted it to be the best. So I did a similar thing <laughs> when I was in high school I, well, I went to Oxford for the summer and I did a fantasy literature course that I I talk about a lot because it inspired a lot of my life. But the other part of that summer was I did a Shakespeare class and it was amazing to learn about Shakespearean acting. And I came back to school and requested to the drama teacher, I said, can we do a Shakespeare play, like any Shakespeare play. I don't care. And his response was, Shakespeare is too hard for teenagers. No, not true. And so we, I knew that was not true. Um, I was, it, yeah. Um, so <laughs> you were like, I know better. <laughs> I was like, okay, fine. We'll, we'll do this the hard way. So I assembled a 30-person theater troupe. Yes! to volunteer to do a Midsummer Night's Dream on our spare time, which was very limited as stressed out high schoolers. And we did a um, an outdoor production of Midsummer using Q scripts, which was the original way that uh, that Shakespearean actors like in Shakespeare's day would learn their parts where you just have your own part and not the full script because of printing um and it that's a whole nother episode um but we were like doing it properly and um so we we did midsummer and then the next year we came back and we did a site-specific production of 12th night and i'm just i'm still amazed that this came together on top of everyone's busy schedules and official performances but it was very much um the same vibe as your production grace where we had the approval of the administration they said you can use the space but i found a a notebook that my my co-director annie and i had um for like i think she came over for a sleepover and we wrote this <laughs> we wrote all of our our production notes and at the top of it it says no adults allowed incredible they would just slow you down exactly <laughs> but i do remember as well after doing that production of like figuring out everything ourselves i was in one of the official productions with a different director and i just remember appreciating his guidance so much more having had to learn everything myself I was like in a totally different mindset than I had fallen into since 
I was in my first community theater production at age seven of like, okay, you show up, you do, you learn your lines. I was like, okay, I understand the role of the director now. And I was able mm-hmm. to really show up and appreciate what that guidance could give me. Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, at such a young age, we were given this freedom, but also this responsibility. And like, it was stressful. But it but it made me t- love the work more. If you can get through a huge self-led project like that at that age, that is telling you something about what you're truly passionate about. And I mean, like how we started this episode, it's just like, if it's right, it's right. Yeah. And I mean, the fact that both of us have stories that are so (laughs) similar about wanting to do a piece of theater and being told no and then saying, okay, I'll just do it myself. I just, it's like, of course, of course we both did that. This is why we podcast together. Exactly. (laughs) And I didn't even know that. If if you had told me that. Yeah, I've never heard this story from you before. <laughs> We're discovering this live. But if we were talking about, okay, should we embark in this long-term commitment, creative partnership, and I didn't have any other information about you other than this, this theater story, I'd be like, okay, yes, that is enough. Um she knows how to bring a project to fruition. Yeah. It's for real. Yeah. Any other fun juvenilia stories? I think I, I'm good on, on what I've shared. I'm really, like, I'm so energized by just sharing these fun, playful stories of performing, like, as a kid and also with the kids in my life. What about you? Oh, I, I think you're right. I... You can't really top this, um, but I this has sort of unlocked for me thinking about, oh, yeah, and that project and that project. And whenever I am reminded of something that I made as a kid that I've forgotten about, it just makes complete sense with what I'm doing now and what I'm still drawn to now. One that comes to mind is my friend Connor and I did a podcast together like, it must have been, it, okay, let's be real. It must have been when MuggleCast and PotterCast came out. <laughs> we made our own Harry Potter podcast that we just recorded for ourselves for fun and never distributed. But, like, we were making a podcast for fun when we were going over to each other's houses when we were, like, 12 years old. So And, like, now I'm making podcasts. So... Someday we're going to have to do an episode about podcasting itself, about the communities that they inspire and like those long term podcasts that either we were part of when we were younger that we listened to because I, too, have things I made or like people like podcasters I'm still connected with from when I was so young as a listener. And that would be a really fun episode. We could do so many branches of this juvenilia we could do podcasting juvenilia. We've kind of focused on performing arts and theater, but there's so much more. So maybe it'll come back one day. 
I think it will. And I'd love to have the opportunity at some point to actually see some of your your juvenilia or read some of it. Oh, my gosh. You too. Do you have production photos? That's a great question. And I don't know. I don't know the answer. I'll have to do some digging back at my mom's place. I don't know if you allowed photography at your event either. There's a tape somewhere. See, uh, I'm the opposite. I'm like, everyone take video. I'm amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the Slytherin. <laughs> what is the art life the art life is doing what you're passionate about simple as that what is the art life the art life is forever Ooh. it starts when you're born and just keeps going I'm just so happy that we in in all of these stories, we ended up doing the things that we did as kids. I think that's that's just really validating, and I feel really I feel so grateful that we've created these lives for ourselves. It's sort of like your your postcard story to bring it back to the beginning of the episode, where it's just like it just makes sense, and with all of the passion that we poured into our art projects as kids. On on one hand, it just makes sense, but it's also kind of a miracle that in that the the world didn't get to us and we we kept going. Exactly, that's what I was thinking yeah. too. Is like that's that's the thing to be grateful for because there are plenty of times where we could have done something else. Well, in. The spirit of sharing stories, we have an announcement. We are doing a holiday campfire episode inspired by our last episode on creating traditions. So we would love to hear your stories on what unique traditions you have created. So please send us in your stories to read aloud on the show to our email address, theartlife at heroinetraining.com. By the 11th of December would be great so that we have time to compile them and read them in time for the Christmas season. I had so much fun sharing about my friend and family traditions, and I it like made me want to know other people's. I love learning about people's family traditions, those things that they, as we said in that episode, like that seem normal to us and our families, but then we find out are like weird. Yeah. <laughs> and I just can't wait to hear what our listeners have created in their own circles. Yeah, especially in this year where we may not be able to do all of these traditions or maybe doing them in a different way. The memory is, I think, especially important to to cherish and share with each other. Another tradition that we've been doing on the show for our second year of the art life is closing each episode with a reader review answering the question, what is the art life? So I have a story to read from Rebecca, who is an Everyday Wonderland member, and 
she replied to one of my Everyday Wonderland postcards, and I replied to her and said, oh my gosh, can you, can I share this show on the art life and read the review? And she said, oh, I actually just left you a review as well. So it was this magical synchronicity moment, but I got her permission to read both her review and the letter. So here goes. This was in response to a story I shared about how I'm having to go through the next stage for my visa process here in the UK and how I'm reframing that as like a magical quest. So Rebecca says, I wanted to send you luck on your adventure with your visas. I remember how stressful that time can be. And with everything going on right now, I'm sure it doesn't add to the mix. But I love how you say this is an adventure. It is a quest and your new journey. I have recently started to look at life in this manner more. It might sound wild, but we enjoy our fantasy worlds so much, why not include them in our real world? I work at a dispensary. I turned it into a herbs and potions shop off Diagon Alley. Yes. (laughs) It is just a simple way to make my day a little more magical and enjoyable for me. When you say you're going on an adventure for getting your visa renewed, I imagined you going to the Ministry of Magic to get your wand permits. Can this be my art life? Maybe just my my nerdy life. (laughs) But nonetheless, thank you for this week's postcard. I look forward to my next magical adventure. And then, like, at the same time, without my knowledge... Rebecca left us this review in the Apple Podcasts store page thing (laughs) titled, This Podcast is the Perfect Coffee Companion, which to me is just the utmost praise. I've always wanted to get into podcasts, but never really found a show that stuck with me. From the moment I heard the art life, I knew I found the creative podcast I dreamed of. This is such a lovely show with great inspiration and connections. I highly recommend giving this a try. I'm so grateful for this letter and for this review and an answer to her question, like, yes, this can be your art life. And I think bringing fantasy into our lives, into our daily lives, like is a foundation of this show. It's a foundation of both of our life's work. And I'm so excited when I just hear other people's stories of doing that. And Grace, you and I met at Hogwarts, so it's all related. We met at Hogwarts. We connected on, you know, my Gilderoy Lockhart impressions. And like, there are so many ways, even outside of Harry Potter, just these little elements of like, like, um, play acting, you know, and and uh, fantasy that we've brought into our Google documents together. So I'm so glad that she's doing that as well with her like job at the dispensary. And yeah, you're an herbologist, you know, like that's amazing. Oh, I want to come visit. <laughs> I, I gasped when I read this, this letter because I was like, oh, it's so true. I love it. So thank you so much for that, Rebecca. And I, I love this segment and inviting our listeners into the show to tell us about their art lives and what the art life means to them. So 
you can leave us a review in the Apple Podcast Store um, to have your story shared. I can't wait for more. Well, Zandra, we've talked about writing and performing and the things we did when we were kids that we are still making now. So if people want to see what you're making as an adult artist, Zandra, where can people find your art? All of my art is at heroinetraining.com. I mentioned Everyday Wonderland and my postcard that Rebecca replied to. That is at everydaywonder.land, and it's run through my Patreon. And especially since I am no longer on social media, all of my all of my musings that would have gone there go to my newsletter. So heroinetraining.com slash subscribe for that. It'll send you all of those updates if you're not old school like me and like to bookmark websites in a folder. <laughs> Perfect. Grace, where can people find your art and postcards? At the moment, I'm still in production mode of actually drawing the things that are going to be turned into a postcard collection, but I will excitedly share the like Sugar Mint website, the gallery website, um, when those things go on for, go up for sale. But in the meantime, if you want to stay updated on what I'm up to, uh, follow me on Instagram at Grace Gordon Official because that is the best place to see what I'm making every day and also get an update when like my my print work goes up for sale, which will be soon. I can't wait. I'm so excited for that project. Well, everyone, until next time from my side of the world, I wish you all a good morning. And from my side of the world, I wish you a good night. Bye. Bye. This is The Art Life, a heroin training podcast with Grace Gordon and me, Zandra Robinson Burns. You can find us online at theartlife.show and send letters to The Art Life, care of Grace Gordon, P.O. Box number 4292, Valley Village, California, 91607, or email us, theartlife at heroinetraining.com. Our theme music is The Stream by Rory. Thank you for joining us.